Veritas Academy was chosen by Niche as the number one Christian and private school in Northern Virginia and third in the state of Virginia. Visit the National Landing Campus and join the Headmaster for Coffee every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. VeritasAcademyDC.com, VeritasAcademyDC.com. Now on News Talk 105.9 WMAL. O'Connor and Company. It's 8.06 on this Thursday morning in your nation's capital. It's a big day here in Washington, and our 8 o'clock hour mirrors that, as in 10 minutes we'll be speaking with Senator Rick Scott of Florida. At 8.35 we'll speak with Tom Homan. He's the former acting director of ICE. And right now we've got the Virginia Attorney General, Jason Miaris. Cassie Smedley, you picked a good day. I mean, what a lineup, Larry. <laughs> Let's get right to it with Virginia Attorney General Jason Miaris. We've been speaking quite a bit, Mr. Attorney General, about the uh, stunning show of bipartisanship. Well, you you can't get Republicans and Democrats in this town to agree on much, but uh, a stunning vote in the Senate yesterday completely repudiating the district council's attempt to rewrite their criminal code. I'd, I'd love for you to uh, react to that. 81 to 14 was the vote because because what happens in D.C., the way they are are soft on crime and reducing penalties and changing the rules, letting people out on the streets if they've been arrested for a serious crime, that affects Virginia in a major way. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And so, you know, for your listeners, you had the D.C. City Council push this social justice criminal first victim last reform bill. I'm putting reform in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that essentially abolished all mandatory minimums, reduced penalties in a variety of crimes. It was uh, so left-wing that even the Washington Post editorial board opposed it. The U.S. attorney appointed by Joe Biden said this would fundamentally undermine the public safety in our district. Obviously, you have the vote for the Senate, and President Biden's opposed it. But what's most shocking for me is who did not oppose it was the Northern Virginia congressional delegation from Virginia, every single Democrat, and the United States House of Representatives from Virginia voted with the city council of, of D.C. for this extreme measure. Um, and I, I find it mind-boggling when they represent so many constituents that every day uh, commute, whether it's Don Byer or Ampel Spanberger or, or Connolly um, or Lexington. They all represent constituents that every day are commuting into the district. And there have been 94 carjackings in the District of Columbia just in January and February alone. So this is directly impacting their people. And a D.C. crime problem quickly becomes a Northern Virginia crime problem. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I am just simply stunned to see them side with such a radical measure that would hurt so many innocent Virginians. And it hurts our economic uh, viability mm-hmm. in the region. Part of the reason why people want to live in the capital region is because of so many of the arts, the theater, so many of the entertainment options and dining options in the district. When people are saying, listen, I don't want to avail myself of that. It hurts economically the whole region. So it's a huge, huge problem. And if I could just point out, I thought it was the most poignant moment was when the DC police chief pointed out, he said, if you want to lower violent crime, you get repeat violent offenders off our street. And he pointed out the average arrest record of somebody who's been charged with murder in the District of Columbia is they had been previously arrested 11 times. So wow. this is when you talk about criminal justice, people simply forget that these are not individuals that this is their first brush of the law. They've yeah. often had an extensive rap sheet and you're creating new victims. And that's what's so heartbreaking. A lot of these social justice warriors end up the very end up hurting the very people they claim they want to help by creating so many victims that are so frustrated by living in high crime areas that they're looking over their shoulder in fear. And think about it. 
we're the United States of America, the most prosperous country in the world. No citizen should be sitting in a situation where they're looking over their shoulder in fear and not living and pursuing their dreams. Well, Attorney General, you're absolutely right. But I got to ask, I mean, listen, thankfully, the founders were smart enough to give Congress veto power over the district council. In Virginia, the, the criminal code is is structured in such a way where it's, it's not nearly as, as, as woke and full of social justice uh, warrior kind of stuff that you're describing here in D.C. However, we've got attorney, we've got Commonwealth attorneys like Steve Descano who, inst- instead of worrying about rewriting the criminal code, they just ignore the code. They just don't enforce the yeah. code. And I know they've got prosecutorial discretion, but at some point, can your office do something about this? Well, you know, we have uh, the last two sessions asked for expansive authority. I have about uh, a dozen plus areas of the code that I do have original or concurrent jurisdiction to prosecute, things like child pornography and others. But uh, a a large number of the criminal code is the Commonwealth attorney gets first dibs and they can decide that. And, you know, those Commonwealth attorneys that are pro-law enforcement, uh, they'll work with us. I, mm-hmm. we, our office handles a variety of cases. In fact, we have, we're doing a, a, a first-degree murder trial for a cop killer in southwest Virginia that we are assisting on right now. We have cross-designated uh, attorney generals that are cross-designated in U.S. Attorney's Office for federal crimes. But you're right. We've asked for some expansive authority. Every time it passes the House, it dies in a Democratic-controlled Senate. Uh, because I think that the constituents in these districts need a backup plan. When you have a Commonwealth attorney who decides they're simply going to ignore the entire sections of the code, and they're going to say, yeah. listen, we're not going to prosecute petty larceny. We're not going to prosecute or reduce uh, charges on gun charges, which is happening all the time. It creates such a frustration. And we now know from the, the FOIA'd emails from Toscano's office that his own staff, has had such serious problems with reduced charges on child sexual uh, assault cases. And so this is the the epitome of a criminal first victim last mindset. And and, uh, you're right. It is beyond frustrating to see what's happened. I've asked for that authority. It just hasn't been granted it yet. I'd love to ask you about a new initiative that you're putting forth with a couple of other states' attorney general. This is in coalition with the National Consumer Protection Week. Uh, You're asking uh, the courts to step in here with regard to TikTok. The Trump administration tried to ban TikTok because it's a national security risk. FBI Director Ray yesterday in Senate testimony said that the app screams of security concerns. At the state level, what are you able to do here within the capacity of Attorney General of Virginia? Yeah, at the federal level, they're looking at the national security risk, as they rightly show. Most people don't realize there's actually a law in China that if you're a private-owned company at any time, you have to subvert yourself to the will of the Chinese Communist Party. And so at any time, you have the CCP can literally take up any data. And TikTok on your phone, unless you change the setting, has access to all of your contacts, all of your photographs, uh, your data location, uh, pretty much everything you're doing. Your digital footprint is now... Uh, at any time to be turned over to the CCP. What we are mainly looking at uh, from a consumer protection is what is this having, the impact is this having on our kids? Mm -hmm. 40% of every child in this country, age 10 to 13, is on either uh, TikTok or Meta. And what we have seen is a enormous, I mean, the data is simply staggering of the negative uh, social and mental issues that are being affected to our kids right now. CDC just came out with numbers that one out of every three teenage girls has had a suicidal thought or iteration in the last wow. 12 months. And so for a lot of your listeners are not familiar with Tic Tac, the app is designed to keep you hooked. 
These are very short videos, 30 to 45 seconds long oftentimes. And you're, you, you, you watch and you watch and you watch. Now, what are these videos? What we have seen is if you and I were to go on there, it'd probably be videos talking about golf or sports teams. Um, and in China, that's oftentimes what it is. The, the, what the app mm-hmm. in China is very different. The videos that show up here are overwhelmingly negative for our kids. Uh, you could set up a profile of a, a fake 15-year-old girl, and the first videos that show up in the feed before you've even searched for videos will be how to use illicit drugs, a video how to date an older man, how to hide your social media profile, um, self-harm videos, a lot of self-harm videos to our kids. And so uh, what we have seen is, and what we're investigating is, when did the social media companies know what was happening, this tidal wave of negative impact on our young people? And to put things in perspective, in China, TikTok is automatically cut off after 45 minutes of use does not work after 10 o'clock at night and is a complete ban. You're not allowed to be on it if you're under the age of 15. And the videos they show overwhelmingly celebrate Chinese culture, the Chinese military, uh, the importance of working hard in school. It is the opposite of what these young people are seeing. And so they they seem to know something we don't know, Attorney Mm -hmm. General Miara. Yeah, listen, you don't need need the government to ban TikTok. If you're a parent, be a parent, and I highly encourage you to get it off your children's phone. We got to leave it there because we're stacked up. We got Florida right. Senator Rick Scott waiting. Always good to check in with you, though. Thanks for joining Great us. Checking. Thank you. Bye. Fifteen. WMAL making sense of the news live from the Home Paramount Pest Control Studios. Home Paramount, the leader in pest control since 1939. Join me, Chris Plant, and other great WMAL listeners this June on our Mediterranean Sea cruise. Visit ChrisPlantCruise.com. Joining again, yeah, he's got a cruise. We all want a cruise. Yeah. No. He, nice work if you can get it. Uh, Senator Rick Scott is from Florida. A lot of cruise ships down in Florida, Ooh, also too. Also a nice spot on the map. And Senator Scott, always good to speak with you, sir. I'd first like to thank you on behalf of the people of the D.C. area for uh, joining 80 of your colleagues to say no to D.C.'s rewriting of the criminal code here. That I mean, talk about bipartisanship. Uh, thank God there's congressional oversight. This is just another example why D.C. should never be a state. Correct, Senator? Absolutely. I mean, first off... Who doesn't want to live in a safe community? You know, when I was governor of Florida, I always said, I got to do three things. Get people a job, get their kids a good education, keep them safe. So in D.C., I mean, think about it. You, people don't feel safe now. I mean, it, I mean, first off, they had all these tent cities, it seemed like. Finally, they cleaned up some of that, but not all of it. Uh, but this soft on crime stuff is horrible yeah. for everybody. And by the way, if you're rich, you can go afford law enforcement on your own. But if you're poor, that's who gets hurt. Yeah, no, it, the most. it was great to see. And, and thank you and your colleagues mm-hmm. for it. And now we'll see what they come up with next. Uh, I have to say, though, over the last few years, all, whenever people, politicians talk about safety, all they cared about was this virus, COVID-19. That was the old, the beginning, middle and end of discussions about public safety. And it's become so ridiculous. I know you're joining your colleague Marco Rubio and Governor Ron DeSantis asking the federal government to lift this vaccine restriction for Novak Djokovic, one of the most, you know, fittest, trimmest, healthiest athletes in the world, <laughs> they're not letting him come play in the Miami Open. What's what's the status of that now? They, they're still not letting me. I mean, think about how crazy this is. Biden, Biden last November said COVID's over, right? It's yeah. COVID over except when he doesn't want it over, right? So mm-hmm. the uh, here's the one of the healthiest guys in the world probably, want, you know, and so we're not worried about him getting sick. He's not worried about getting sick, right? And we're not worried about him making us sick because right. COVID's over, but somehow... 
the guy can't come in and play tennis. This is the craziest thing in the world. It makes you mad that, that the Biden administration acts like this. Is there is there any legis? I mean, I guess you can't really legislate this. This falls under the executive powers, right? Well, yeah, we, we have, you know, one thing, Larry, we've done, we've given away too much power to the executive branch. Yeah. We've got to stop. We've got to stop giving all this power to the executive branch of government at every level of government. I mean, they, they have way too much control over our lives. We, are, we the Congress, or at the state level, the state legislators, we're the ones that are supposed to legislate, not not the executive branch. So we've got to stop this stuff. Every time they, they come up with some bill, and, and, and up here in contrast to the state, I mean, they just give boodles of you know, all the money in the world and let the, the secretaries decide how to allocate it. And guess what? They put on ridiculous, you know, Green New Deal, woke. Veritas Academy was chosen by Niche as the number one Christian and private school in Northern Virginia and third in the state of Virginia. Visit the National Landing Campus and join the Headmaster for Coffee every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. VeritasAcademyDC.com. VeritasAcademyDC.com. Business has always been about turning a profit making money but can it stand for something more something beyond dollars and cents we think so we think that today business has a higher calling a purpose to be fair and just to do right by their workers customers communities and the environment and it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line when you see the just capital seal it means this company is a force for good visit justcapital.com to learn more stuff uh, to receive any money from the federal government this yeah. is this is stuff is crazy. So now you're you've announced you're running for re-election. Uh, that you're up in 2024. Um, and boy, Florida. Everyone's talking about Florida. And you know, uh, President Trump has said, you know, yes, Ron DeSantis. He hasn't given much credit to Ron DeSantis because he says that he was really picking up the great work that you did uh, there as governor. Mm-hmm. Is, is he right about that, or is, is Governor DeSantis doing a good job? I, well, first off, I'm glad the state is continuing. Taxes low. People are still moving the state. We've got a great education system. Here's what I had I had the opportunity to do. I came in and I ran on a campaign to get our state back to work. The state had lost 832,000 jobs between seven and 2007 and 10. Our home prices had dropped in half. We had almost a million people on unemployment. That and all happened under Charlie Crist, by the way. I want everyone to know. That was Charlie Crist <laughs> that screwed that up. I mean, Char- hey, you heard about the Republican, the Democrat, and the Independent that walked into the bar? It said, hey, hi, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Jokes. So anyway, I, I I was a business guy, never run for office before. I ran on a platform to get our state back to work, and it worked. Uh, you know, businesses, I said we'd get 700,000 jobs. We got 1.7 million jobs. Not government. We got out of the way. Let the private sector do it. We became number one in higher education, 47-year low in our crime rate, because what we did is we made government more efficient. I went through every line in the budget every year. If it didn't hit its purpose, I'd veto the money the next year. I mean, it's basic stuff that you do with your own money. Yeah. And so we just made it a great place to live, work, and play. You you ran the um, Senate uh, campaign committee here in the midterms, and you put out a bold plan, an agenda that said, you give us the majority, this is what we'll do. Mitch McConnell criticized you for that. Uh, a lot of Democrats have been seizing on some of the forward-thinking ideas you had about entitlements. In retrospect, do you think that it was it was a mistake to actually go on the record saying, yeah, we got to fix these problems? No, that's what we should be doing. Like, think about this for a second. If, if you go to the bank, I'm a business guy. I go to the bank and say, hey, bank, give me some money. I'm going to start something. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. Just would you just give me you know a few gazillion dollars? They <laughs> laugh at me, right? If I expect somebody to vote for me, I should say, this is what I'm going to do if you elect me. So what I said is, 
Let's balance the budget. Let's have our kids say the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's stop this. Let's stop asking people the color of their skin when, when, when they on any government form. Yeah. Let's secure the border. Let's tell the public what we're going to do when Medicare and Social Security go bankrupt. That's what I said. I said, and they and basically both both McConnell and Schumer completely lied about what I said. I said, let's get rid of the crazy programs that aren't working. Let's review them. Gosh, that's what you do with your own personal money. And then let's tell people how we're going to fix the problems. And guess what? You know, they said, oh, no, no, we want to run on anything. Let's just say the other guys are bad. Exactly. How does that work out? Yeah. And, and, and well, it didn't. It didn't work out at all. Uh, Senator Scott, we're almost no. out of time. But uh, President Biden, he's late, but he is going to be announcing his uh, budget today in Philadelphia. For some reason, he's going to be announcing it. Have you gotten an advanced look at this? I mean, I, I can't imagine it's going to. No, no, you don't have to. It's going to be tax increases, right? It's going to be bigger government, okay? It's going to be open borders. It's going to be kill the energy industry. I mean, it's pretty simple. More regulations, that's what this guy does. I mean, you don't have to even read it. You know what he's going to do. It's all bad for you. That's why we have inflation. That's why you have high gas prices. It's real basic stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the showdown, though. I know that uh, the House Republicans are ready uh, with their own budget, and, uh, and who knows? Maybe you'll get some Democrats on you. I know uh, Joe Manchin keeps looking over at your side of the aisle. The, the, the weather's nicer over there. We'll see what happens. Not enough. <laughs> Senator Scott, <laughs> you're, you, are, you are always an energetic and engaging interview. Don't be a stranger. We want to hear from you again soon. I, I see it. Thank I like you, it sir. It is uh, 8. Now on News Talk 105.9 WMAL. O'Connor and Company. It's 837 here on O'Connor and Company. It's Larry O'Connor alongside Cassie Smedley sitting in this morning. Cassie, it's been great to have you. And I want to remind everyone it's COIN, COIN, C-O-I-G-N, where you can sign up for your own credit card that sort of uh, takes back the the your financial freedom from yeah. the, the banks. They spend their your fees on things that you don't agree with. That's right. So this we kind of call it part of the parallel patriotic economy. Yeah. Have your money match your values. Yeah. So a portion of everything you spend um, goes into causes you care about. There you go. And uh, joining us right now, a cause we care about is uh, – <laughs> proper border control, border security, Mm -hmm. and uh, well-regulated immigration policies. Tom Homan is a senior fellow at the Immigration Reform Law Institute and, of course, the former acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The kids like to call it ICE. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Homan, always good to talk with you. Good to see you at CPAC there. Yeah, I saw you. Good morning. Good morning to you. Um, listen, I, I, before we get into this conversation, I think it's very important that everyone reiterate, and you're very good about um, reminding everybody, because the administration, Democrats, they'll have you think that, oh, our system is broken, the border's broken, immigration is broken, and that's why we need comprehensive reform. We need new laws. No new law is needed at this moment to properly enforce our border. There, there, there's no law at all preventing an administration who actually has the interest in enforcing the laws to actually enforce the law. Is that not correct? Oh, it's absolutely correct. Look, what's going on right now isn't a resource issue. It isn't, you know, a lack of laws. It's a policy issue. They could fix this very easily by changing their policies. The Trump administration has proven that. And no one gets more upset than I do when I see the secretary or the White House folks ladies say that you know that they inherited a, a dismantled system a broken system no they didn't they broke it we handed them the most secure border in my lifetime which in my career is 35 years mm-hmm. then uh, uh, trump had illegal immigration down 80 83 percent at a 40 year low 45 year low sometimes uh, during his tenure but 
this is a policy issue. They could change yeah. it tomorrow if they want. And and you have made the case that by having this open border policy, by encouraging uh, drug smugglers and human traffickers to uh, make tons of money by exploiting our poorest borders, that basically that that allows these drug cartels to become richer and more empowered. And we saw that manifest with the story of these four American tourists. Uh, they go across the border from Brownsville. They're kidnapped. Two of them have been murdered. Does the Mexican government even have any active control over some of these cities on the border at this time? No, they don't. The, the criminal cartels in Mexico, first of all, the criminal cartels in Mexico have operational control of our southern border. Think about that. The strongest nation. Veritas Academy was chosen by Niche as the number one Christian and private school in Northern Virginia and third in the state of Virginia. Visit the National Landing Campus and join the Headmaster for Coffee every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. VeritasAcademyDC.com. VeritasAcademyDC.com. What's up, folks? Anthony Armstrong here. Bob Popple, along with Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Hey, NFL fans. This is Solomon Wilcox, former NFL safety and host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Catch my show and all 32 Believe NFL podcasts. Listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team. Search Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. It's always football season, wherever you listen in the world doesn't have operational control of the southern border. They're criminal cartels. They decide what comes across, when that comes across, and where it comes across. Mm-hmm. I've talked to every border patrol agent down there, and they've all said the same thing. They're lucky if they can contain 10%. One chief patrol agent even used the words broken arrow. He's overwhelmed. So, no, Mexico does not want to address the cartels because much of the Mexican military and, and law enforcement and the government is corrupt. I'm not saying every cop, every soldier down there is corrupt, but many are in the command positions. Yeah. And that's why they've been rampant for you know 30 years. Mexico doesn't have the, the ability or the desire to try to take on the cartel. So that's why the U.S. needs to step in. The U.S. can do it if, if we can work out something Mexico. We can address the cartels, but going into another country, we, we simply can't do that without their permission. Yeah, I, you know, so I just want to play a little bit of not so much devil's advocate, but tell us why they're wrong. Um, so, you know, I completely, obviously agree with you that um, we had secure borders under President Trump. He took this issue seriously. He had us on the right trajectory. And then the Biden administration came in and one of the first things they did was repeal those policies, roll them back. And then we've seen the results of that. But now today, to listen to them, they would tell you that they have secured the largest increase for border security in the history for DHS. And I'm looking at a a quote right now, additional three point two billion, a twelve point twelve percent increase. And as well as the hiring of three hundred more Border Patrol agents. Tell me where they are not being truthful with the American people, because we see that the reality on the ground does not match those numbers. And and their lack of interest in the topic doesn't match those numbers. But it's what they tout and they get away with it because they can find some way to tout this. What are they what are they not telling us? So well, well, they they don't they don't tell the whole truth, right? Right. Yeah, they gave more money to uh, CBP, but that's for port of entries. Mm. They're, they're giving a lot more technology to the port of entries because they believe that I I don't even think they believe it. But their talking point is most of the fentanyl, most of the drugs come to the port of entry, and that is plain wrong. Mm. If they were to admit most of the drugs come over the border illegally between the ports of entry, then they got to admit. They don't have control of the border, and that's against their talking points. Mm. Bottom line is this. I've done this for 35 years. Here's the truth. 
most of the drugs, most of the fentanyl is seized at a port of entry because every vehicle stopped. Every driver spoken to, depending on his responses, he may be secondary for a search. They also have a CBP targeting system, which is an intelligence database. When that car comes up, they put license plate number in the machine, and that machine's going to tell them, this might be a car you want a secondary. I won't tell you what's in the CBP targeting system because it's law enforcement sensitive. But, of course, most of the drugs you see at a port of entry. Every vehicle stop, and they have all these tools. They don't know what's coming between the ports mm-hmm. of entries. I can tell you this. The drug cartels are going to use the routes of least resistance. They created such a such a crisis down there that 70 to 80 percent of agents are pulled from the line to process bus rides, hospital rides. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so when you take 80 percent of agents off the line, that is a route of least resistance. That's where the most of the drugs are coming yeah. from. And to throw the border patrol, 300 agents. They can't hire agents now. They're down several thousand because no one wants the job because of what this administration has done to that agency. And at that point, the funding is irrelevant. It's what you do with the money that's yeah. that's the issue. Tom Holman is our guest, uh, former acting director of ICE, and he's just co-written an op-ed in the Washington Times with Horace Cooper, who runs Project 21. And you make a very compelling argument here that from job loss to economic impact to drain on government resources – uh, to crime and sanctuary city policies, it's black Americans more than any other group in this country who are actually suffering due to these amnesty and open border policies from the Biden administration. This is an important argument to make, sir. It is. And, you know, they contacted me. Project 21 contacted me. They see me, you know, on Fox. They, they hear me on talk radio and say, hey, help us. Help us spread our message. This is really hurting the black community which I already knew, but they asked to try to elevate the discussion. I actually did some radio shows with them at CPAC. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was ICE director, we shut down a meatpacking plant in Chicago. We arrested a bunch of illegal aliens at this, at the meat, pa- this meat processing, processing plant right outside of Chicago. When we, when we did that, we removed a lot of illegal aliens from that plant. Those jobs were filled in two weeks by black Americans that lived mm-hmm. there that needed those jobs. So yes, the illegal aliens come and work. At, they work for a cheaper rate. Uh, you know, no one. Let me say this: no one hires an illegal alien out of the goodness of their heart. They hire them because they can work them harder, pay them less, and they can undercut their competition. You know, other other businesses that hire Americans cannot possibly compete when with a company that's paying their their employees half of what a, another company does. Mm-hmm. What what I'm hearing is the Democrats' policy on immigration is really encouraging the exploitation of minority workers. Wow. Uh, yeah, you said it better than I did. Something that should be said more <laughs> I'll, often. I'll, I'll steal that one because you said it better than I did. Well, you you got to use their Marxist language, right? Uh, Tom Homan, Senior Fellow at the Immigra- Immigration Reform Law Institute. Always good to talk to you, sir. Thank you. Ah, uh, Cassie Smedley, you thought you were going to get away without having a critter news segment, <laughs> but you were wrong. All right, bad news for everyone who lives in Loudoun County who wants to have a pet wolf or kangaroo or scorpion or baboon or alligator or venomous snake or... Other kinds of reptiles and spiders. Oh, I don't know if I can make it through this you segment. Can't <laughs> do it now. The County Board of Supervisors have now voted, and they've added a new section to an existing animals ordinance prohibiting the ownership of a certain exotic and venomous species of animals. And clearly, they were uh, convinced by the compelling testimony of Loudoun County Board Chair <laughs> Phyllis Randall, who, when debating this, reminded everyone that... That monkey can cure, tear your face off. And, I mean... That's, I mean, fine, take my vote. That was You're it. right. Who wants? That did it. That monkey can cure, tear your face off. <laughs> can a monkey really tear your face off? Yes, it wasn't there. A baboon, this... maybe a chimp, but a monkey? Okay, little, well, now you're monkey? getting, like, specific. But remember well, yeah, that woman I mean, had to have the ape? first... 
full face transplant, uh-huh. I think, because um, there was a monkey or something. Harambe. That, well, there was that, but it wasn't a zoo. It was uh-huh. this, anyway, I should have done my research. I don't think it was in Connecticut. I don't think monkeys do that, though. It was Can a monkey... Uh, chimps. I get it. They're, they're big. Okay. They're strong. Little monkeys. That monkey can cure, tear your face off. The spirit of what she's saying is true. <laughs> All right. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of um, uh, argument against it, although Joe Exotic did put in a, <laughs> a petition. From jail. From jail, yes. <laughs> but now you can't own a monkey out there. I don't know why anyone wants to own a monkey. I mean, I'm not big on, on animals living in a house with human beings anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I like animals, but they yeah. belong in the great outdoors. Oh. That's just me. I'm weird that way. But yeah. I certainly wouldn't want a monkey. That monkey can cure, tear your face off. <laughs> or I'm I'm with you on the reptiles and stuff. And Heather, who's from Florida, she knows like this gets out of control. People take them in as a pet and yeah. they say, oh, I can't take care of it. And they let it go. And just put it in the Everglades. Yeah. You know you know, I sponsor midshipmen, right, over yeah. in Annapolis. And um, a, a handful of them are heading down to, this is their last spring break before graduation. They're heading to Florida. And you think, oh, you college kids going to Florida, right? They're going to go like party on the beach and get right. drunk. No. They're going to the Everglades to go python hunting. Oh! Apparently, this is a thing. People get bit. Florida man gets a pet python, <laughs> gets a little out of control, so they just release it in the Everglades. Yes. It's an invasive species. Yes. But the good news is, if you live up north and you like your guns, you get to head down there with your shotgun and go python hunting. Ah, capitalism. It's the circle of life. That too. Eight fifty-two. That's a wrap, Cassie Smedley. Get out of here. Hey. Because we got to make room for Chris Pine. He just spins it all up. Here he is. Just uh, hey, hey, hey. Uh, you see, uh, Ron DeSantis gave a press conference yesterday on the uh, the child porn that the Democrats put in grammar schools, yeah. <laughs> and all the TV stations dumped out of it because it was too obscene. <laughs> you see that? But, but not, not a joke. Grade. Yeah, but not for third grade. Veritas Academy was chosen by Niche as the number one Christian and private school in Northern Virginia and third in the state of Virginia. Visit the National Landing Campus and join the Headmaster for Coffee every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. VeritasAcademyDC.com, VeritasAcademyDC.com.